Why is the church so important when a caregiving need arises? In my experience, the church is the front line for giving care to the members within their body. It is very much a living out what being a church family is. Mm. Welcome to Unshaken. I'm your host, Julie Van Warmer, and I'm really excited that you are joining us today. Today is episode 185. This is our last episode of 2023. Soon, I will turn over the calendar, and you probably will too, to 2024. It is so crazy how fast a year goes by. We've had a great year here on the podcast. We've released 53 episodes, 51 episodes, in, on our schedule, one bonus episode a few months ago, and today's episode, which is our very last one, we've talked about 11 different emotions this year and what to even do with all those emotions in our Feminology series. We've learned about four different attributes of God, and we are going to learn about some more in 2024. We have stopped to talk about motherhood, dating, discernment, the book Humility, as we did in our summer book chat and so much more. And in 2024, we have some great episodes ready in the works for you. We're going to kick off our new monthly series called Everyday Theology next week, plus so much more. So please stay tuned. We are so glad you're listening. Today, we're going to talk about a big, important topic. It is caregiving. Whether it's long-term, short-term for your own family member or someone outside of your home, how to care for or caregive, what if you are needing care, and how to set up a caring ministry in your own church. And I am super excited because today is kind of like a party here in the studio. I have three guests. I've never had three guests in this studio, so I'm really excited about this. We we probably need some cake. I feel like, actually, it's Christmas time as we record this. I don't need any more desserts, okay? <laughs> I have three ladies that I'm really excited about because I love each one of them. These Three women are all women who have been great at caring for other people and also have been cared for in multiple situations. And overall, I know it's going to be a great episode, so let me introduce you to my three guests, Mary Wegren, Sharon Arndt, and Andrea Van Engen. So ladies, let's kick it off by you telling us a little bit about yourself, who you live with, and what you do all day. I'm Mary, and I live with my husband, Ken, and our four children, ages ranging from 14 to 1. I get to be a stay-at-home mom, so home life keeps me pretty busy. And I'm Sharon. I'm married to Mike, and I have 11 children and 8 grandchildren. So there's never a dull moment in my house. I would say not. No. (laughs) I thought I was busy. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Andrea. I live with my husband, Andrew, and our five kids, I homeschool my kiddos and am active in our church. Okay. Well, I'm really I'm really glad to have all three of you here. And I want to kind of do a little disclaimer before we kick off this episode. And that is, the topic is caregiving, but there's th- four of us in this room, and we don't have enough time to talk about every possible scenario. We just don't have enough. Um, there's just not enough time to do that. No one wants to listen to a podcast that's 12 hours long. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this one could literally go that long. And so today we're going to talk a little bit about some ideas and scenarios that you might come across. Um, There's just so much to think about in regard to this. So I'm hoping that this will give you, the listener, some thoughts on how to be a good caregiver. And even when you're on the other side of it, um, there's just so much to do. So we're actually not going to spend a lot of time in in the 
little chit chat we do at the beginning of most episodes. We're just going to jump into these questions today um, since we have so much to talk about. And I am confident that it's going to be really helpful to everyone listening. So I think we should start um, off by with our topic of caregiving by defining some terms. So um, Mary, why don't you help us out and start off with define for me caregiving in general. Okay, so when I think of caregiving, I'm coming from the perspective of a care team because I get to be part of the women's care team at our church. And so I would describe a caregiver as someone who comes alongside someone in need and helps them by coordinating their care or providing the resources they need to be cared for. However, I also think of the role of a caregiver can be the role of a specific individual. For example, my mom, who is a wonderful, godly woman, um, she had the joy and privilege to be the primary caregiver for our very dear friend during the last couple months of her life before she passed away from cancer. Hmm. My mom lived together with her as um, housemates. So my mom's role as caregiver was very different Hmm. from mine. Mm -hmm. She was there to do anything from driving our friend to the doctor appointments, um, picking up medicine, to administering medicine or whenever necessary, and taking care of her needs. So I think there are more than one type of caregiver. Yeah, I like that you talked a little bit about all the there's different situations, which, again, we go back to my disclaimer. There are different mm-hmm. scenarios, so that's going to look different. So I know there's a bunch of ways that fall under this umbrella of caregiving. So we divided this episode into five different sections, long-term caregiving, short-term caregiving, care for the caregiver, if if you're the one doing the caregiving, and what if you are the one who needs the care? And then also a little section specifically on how to set up a care team in your church. We have one here at our church that we all attend that has been going for a long time. So I think that will be really helpful So let's start with long-term caregiving, just an easy question, just an easy beginning, right? So what is long-term caregiving, and when is this necessary? I think think it's funny you say this is the easy question, because I think it's a hard one, actually. (laughs) Okay, I said that very sarcastically. (laughs) Okay, well, um, I I say it's hard because um, sometimes it's hard to know when someone requires long-term care or not. Um, To answer your question of what long-term care is, I would say it's when someone is experiencing a need that requires care longer than your typical one to two Mm. weeks. Most often, long-term care is required when someone is dealing with a long-term health issue or even a terminal health issue, I Mm. think. Mm -hmm. So we can't really give a very clear-cut definition on how long that would be. No. No. You just have to like, like evaluate it as you go. Mm-hmm. What are some tips or ideas to do long-term caregiving best? So we're talking about, you know, the long haul, a long time period that you're taking care of people. Well, there are a lot of gray areas when it comes to caregiving because there are so many different kinds of needs. So my first tip would be to be part of a team of caregivers in your church body. Then you will have other wise and godly women alongside of you who can help you discern when and how to provide care for someone. My second tip goes along with this idea of a team, and that is to delegate responsibility of care. This will help, um, this will prevent any one person from becoming overwhelmed mm-hmm. by the needs that may come along with long term care. Mm-hmm. So, if I am the point person for a family with long term care need, I may be the first person to know that they need meals or that they need transportation to and from hospital or that they need someone to come and help 
um, than by staying with their loved one through the night. But that does not mean that I need to do it all myself. Mm, good point. The most helpful thing would be for me to delegate some of these responsibilities to others. Yeah, that would become very burdensome, I think. Yeah, Mary's tip about having a point person is so helpful. And I would add to the team concept she referenced that it's helpful to think of all areas of needs. And when there's more than one person thinking through this, it allows for a broader range of ideas. So meals and transportation are always so helpful, but also childcare for appointments or to give rest, house cleaning or grocery shopping. I once had a dear friend offer to do my Christmas shopping or wrapping for me when I was going through a health trial around Christmas time. Another part of long-term care is ongoing encouragement. Oftentimes, people will come alongside to pray and encourage if there's a diagnosis, but it can be hard to maintain that mm-hmm. over the long haul. Yeah, I've seen this done in the way of having a prayer team in place to pray for specific needs as they arise and change, or a group of women to write notes of encouragement. And then those continue over the weeks, not just at that initial point of crisis. Hmm. So this is how a team can help think through creative ways to lighten the load for someone facing a long-term need. So sometimes the black and white things are easier to help with. You know, I think cancer, death, surgeries, babies, there's no denying the need there. But sometimes it gets tricky when there are long-term issues that are also, they're not so black and white. You know, like mental illness, maybe postpartum depression, anxiety, mm-hmm. and there's probably other things I'm not sure talking about. But, um, but there's a tangle of a mess to discern where this is a medical issue and where sin may be contributing to the problem as well. So these situations require discernment and prayer. And again, having a team helps to get different perspectives. I found that the closer I am to the situation, the more clouded my perspective can be. So it helps to have others that can be objective. Right. And if you are the long-term caregiver, you can become also discouraged alongside of the person who's also struggling. Yes. Yeah. So that is really good to get some, I like that idea of getting other people on your team. Mm-hmm. to work with you. Um, okay, I think it's really good to pause right here and take a minute to talk about um, how important it is with the church, how the church fits into this. So when does the church actually get involved? Mary, why don't you start us off? Well, in my experience, the church is the front line for giving care to the members within their body. It is very much a living out what being a church family is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Julie, I think it's important, too, to talk about why the church would get involved. To Mary's point, this should be what a church family does for one another. But I think it can often be thought that the individual's family would be the ones to take on the care entirely. Mm. So to consider why the church would get involved at all, let alone right away, is something to think about, especially if you've never seen how this can play out. Mm. So I just had some examples that came to mind regarding this. Um, you know, maybe your church member it has a young family, and not all young parents have their own parents to call on for help, especially depending on the level of care that's needed. And even if their parents or other family members are able to help to some degree, there might be more support required. So if the church doesn't get involved, they won't really know how they can help. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Good point. Another instance might be that the church member has no local family. Sometimes family just isn't in the area, 
and they can't uproot their lives and move in order to help out. So in this case, it seems more obvious that the church should step in, but again, we must reach out and gather details on what is needed rather than wait to be told that help is needed. Hmm. Mm. Or until it's too late to help in some situations. And then also a church member who is older, maybe single, that has grown children, you know, out of town, out of state. Again, the children might only be able to offer help for a few days at a time and would be thankful to have the church step in and care for the needs of this church member as if she was their own mother. Hmm. So stepping in early allows for communication and good rapport to happen between the church and the family members. That makes me think of a friend of mine who um, her family, her mom and dad lived maybe like four states away. And her mom ended up with dementia and her dad was health was going down quickly and they were not in a church. Mm-hmm. And there was no one in that little city to really help. So my friend was constantly yeah. driving. Yeah. So what an important piece to have the church be involved. Yeah. So good. Yeah. And, and there are a number of ways that the church can get involved depending on the needs and the ability of the family to help. It could look like meals or it could look like staying overnight to help care for someone in failing health. Mary's point about getting involved right away allows for the smaller needs to be met as Mm -hmm. well as the more in-depth needs once it gets to that point. If the church isn't aware of what's going on or the needs of the individual until it gets to the point of, you know, more serious needs, it can be much harder to give the best care. And something we should keep in mind is, you know, not only are we concerned for their physical needs, but their spiritual needs too. If someone isn't able to physically be at church or is somehow limited in their ability to be in God's word, those who are involved can help in those ways too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's those are really good points. There's more to this than just the physical sometimes. Yeah. Actually, always, right? Because yeah. we're spiritual people. So that's a good point. Okay, let's mm-hmm. jump into the topic of short-term caregiving because I think we here at Christ the Word, where we all attend, we've seen all of these. And sometimes there's a short term, and it may turn into long term. Sometimes it is little pieces. Mm-hmm. You know, you help along the way. So um, let's first do some definitions. What is a short-term caregiving, and when would this be necessary? Um, I think short-term care is when someone is needing help only for one to two weeks. Okay. Some examples of this could include, but are definitely not limited to, when a mom has a new baby or miscarriages or death of a um, family member, outpatient procedure or hospital stay or another trial. Hmm. That's short like that. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes um, maybe it is a, I don't know, I was thinking through this, you could have a whole bunch of short-term things that actually all turn into long-term. Does that make sense? You know, someone who's got some health problems here and then they move to the next couple months later and they have another health problem. Mm -hmm. So it just compounds it and makes it more of a compound caring issue, right? So um, what are some tips to do the short-term ministry, short-term caregiving best? I think that for needs that are anticipated, like a birth or a planned medical procedure, it is good to plan ahead and make sure you have the helping hands ready. Um, it is so helpful to have a team structure set up for care so that if a need arises unexpectedly, you know who to call on for help and they are going to be able and willing to help. As far as what kind of care to give, it depends on the type of need. 
I will say most often the type of care we provide in our church uh, for families in need are our meals. If this is the case, the website mealtrain.com is an excellent tool. Uh, it has been a great asset for us. Um, seriously, I can't say enough about how helpful this website has been, mm-hmm. and it's so easy to use. Yes, it so, is. So um, if you're doing meal trains for somebody, just use the website mealtrain.com. Um, sometimes, however, meals may not be the most helpful, and it is so important to talk with the person who is going through the trial to figure out with them what might really be the best help. Mm-hmm. For example, if a woman miscarriages miscarries later in pregnancy, I think meals for the first week or two can be really helpful as she heals physically. But after that, even though she's still needing to heal emotionally, providing meals may hinder that healing process because it would be good for her to get out of the house and busy herself with good work of taking care of the home and being around other Mm -hmm. believers. So perhaps care after the first two weeks would look more like being a faithful friend to pray, writing letters of encouragement, or, this is really important, inviting her out to do something together with you. Yeah, I love that because there, you know, there, there isn't really a one-set plan for a short-term care. Right. And even in a, for example, you brought up pregnancy. Even in a pregnancy, there could be different things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, those are really creative ideas, Mary. I like that you expanded that. I still remember uh, from years ago after two different pregnancies, a friend came over with a meal, but then she stayed to eat with me. Mm. So that was a blessing because it alleviated my need to cook and travel somewhere, but I also got to spend time with a friend. Mm-hmm. Um, and it might be worth noting here that the use of meal train system, it is great. Um, and one of the reasons it's so helpful is because it prevents the recipient from being inundated with too many meals. So it helps to balance the load among many women and give others the opportunity to serve. The other thing I want to say I like about the meal train, I feel like we're doing, this is not an ad, (laughs) by the way. This is not an ad, but I like that you have to like write down what you're going to take. Yeah. So I have to tell this story, (laughs) right? I have to tell this story. My brother and his wife, she had had a baby and their church did it different, but this was another option. They would have everybody get together at their church once a month and they would make a whole bunch of meals in the church kitchen and then they would put them in this big gigantic freezer. Mm -hmm. And so that when Mm. somebody had a meal, they had people who lived far away. That's partly why they did this. Then um, they would make a meal. They would give them, you know, Mm -hmm. five meals, freezer meals to eat. And that was another option, another way, except someone got a, must have gotten mixed up in the spices, and they were all really spicy chicken. Like, every one was like the same spice in everything, and so I don't know what happened, but at least this way with the meal train, you can say, I'm bringing, you know, chicken noodle soup and homemade bread, and somebody else can bring lasagna. You know, so and then you don't variety. get spaghetti. Yes, days. every day, <laughs> right? Yeah, it's helpful. Yep. Oh boy, yeah, great tool. Um, but that also reminds me of another practical tip for if you are part of a meal train and taking a meal to someone. So if you are able, try to bring the meal in disposable dishes so that the recipient doesn't need to do the dishes or worry about getting mm. the correct dishes back to the correct person. Yes. This may sm- seem like a really small thing, but actually it had never crossed my mind before until I had my first baby and someone did that for me. And it was a huge blessing. Yes. Yeah. I even take paper plates and plastic utensils so they don't nice. have to worry about doing so their helpful. dishes. And a garbage bag. Right? So, really so they can throw it away <laughs> and you got it all. <laughs> 
Well, disposable dishes are a must. That's a great idea. So if I have a pot of soup, it's kind of hard to take in a disposable pan. So, or rolls fresh out of the oven, the cookie sheet's still hot. So when I deliver the meal, I just ask them for one of their pots mm -hmm. and their cookie sheet, and I dump my soup and put my rolls on their cookie sheet, and then I take my pans with me. Although I have left my pans because I get talking, and I'm like, <laughs> I forgot my pans. <laughs> um, so remember, you don't have to make a lavish, like, 12-course yes. meal. Yes. It can be simple. Yeah. And sometimes a pot of soup and a loaf of bread is enough. Mm -hmm. And I try to think about, you know, if there's little kids that might be there too, like take something special just for them. Mm. Like if you walk in with a big box of popsicles, you'll be a hero. And <laughs> it's something the kids will love and they'll remember it forever. Like, yeah. oh, she mm. brought popsicles. Yeah, they're going to call you popsicle, popsicle lady. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> going to have a cape, you know, yeah, and yeah. A, little, a little leotard with a popsicle in the front. So, And they'll be always <laughs> excited to see you. You know, that's the popsicle woman. <laughs> Okay, but those are such good things. What I loved about those things that you shared is it's not like there's one set way to do this, to take a meal to someone. It might look a little different, mm -hmm. um, and I, I think that's okay. Or how you go about it is different. It's just the fact that we're, we're using the gifts that God has given us of caring for someone. Mm -hmm. And I have the meals that I've received in my life, I've never complained once mm -hmm. because I didn't have to cook. Yeah. Yeah. I, didn't, I, you know, I really didn't even have to clean most of the times. I might be, maybe I cleaned one pot. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. I think that's really important. Okay, I want to go a little different direction. A few months ago, I talked with Sarah French on the topic of anxiety. And if you have, did not listen to that episode, it was fabulous. Mm. She was so real and shared some real parts of struggling through anxiety and depression. She, it was really good. Um, she talked a little bit about the physical parts and some of the emotional or mental parts in it. And I just think this is good to bring up today. What do you guys think? Should we ever care for someone who is mentally struggling? And how would that even look? How is it different? or And also, how is it the same as caring like we've already talked about? I would definitely say yes. In some cases, it is necessary to come alongside someone who is struggling mentally to help them through the trial. If a woman has postpartum depression, it takes wisdom and discernment to know what caring for her should look like. In our care, we always want to be careful that it is helping them to get through the trial and not enabling them to stay in the trial. Mm, let's take yeah. some discernment. Mary, that is a really great point. Praying with and for someone mentally struggling can be so very helpful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we didn't even really mention prayer yet, yeah. but that's a good one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, and I think, too, in a situation where someone is struggling mentally, it seems as though it's not really known as widely mm -hmm. as someone who is mm -hmm. going through a physical health trial. So one thing I've seen that can be helpful is to have a small group of women be intentional to check in with the woman who is struggling, to pray with her, as you both mentioned, and to be sure she isn't isolating herself. Hmm. Because this type of need isn't cut and dry in the same way as caring for a new mom or someone who just had surgery. It takes more assessment and checking in often to identify the needs. Yeah, that's really important to think about. I like this idea of a small group of women because I do think that can be almost a little shameful. It can feel like mm -hmm. when you're struggling through a mental health issue or you've mm -hmm. got depression, postpartum. I've, I've dealt with postpartum depression multiple times mm -hmm. and I didn't want to tell anyone. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I think that's really good. Just a few people yep. that will care for her. Yep. Okay, so um, 
Let's talk a little bit about caregivers because that's a big piece of this puzzle. How can we help those who are helping others? And how and why do we care for the caregivers? That's a really good question. And I think most importantly, checking in regularly can be very helpful with someone mm. who's a caregiver. Ask them how they're doing, not just asking about the one who's being cared for. Mm. And remember, when you don't have the words to speak, tell them what God says. Mm. Let's not forget Discouragement can set in really quickly, and especially if it's a long-term thing, it can be very lonely too. A caregiver may not be able to get out of the house or go places because of the intensity of care needed. So offering to step in so they can step out for a few hours is a great blessing. Mm -hmm. You could take lunch, coffee, a Costco chicken pot pie shows them you see their struggle and you want to walk alongside them. Yeah, I like this piece that you brought out that, you know, we can't forget about them, mm-hmm. Yeah, the caregiver. Yeah, I think that is so important, Sharon. I would also like to say again, it is important for there to be a structure of support behind the primary caregiver so that the primary caregiver doesn't have to shoulder all the care themselves when others are able to help out. Mm. For example, when my mom was taking care of our friend, she was the primary caregiver, but the women of our friend's small group and in ch- church, as well as her Bible study ladies, would come alongside my mom to mm. take care of certain responsibilities, such as bringing meals, running errands, or even spending the night there during the last week when the care was more labor-intensive. Mm. My mom would tell you that it was a joy and not a burden to take care of our friend, but I know she couldn't have done it as easily without the loving support of the women of our church. Mm, I think that's really important. And I know that um, there was one moment in my life where I was probably, I would call myself the caregiver for a friend of mine. And I remember how important it was to have many people help Mm. because I just physically could not do everything. Mm -hmm. I just couldn't do it all. Mm -hmm. And I... I, at the time, had kids at home. I was homeschooling at the time. I had a husband. You know, Mm -hmm. you got your own life that you're trying to do. So I think that's a really good point that you have to, there has to be some sort of a structure and some sort of a way to come alongside of that caregiver. Sometimes we all need care, whether long-term or short-term. So how should we respond? Can we say no? What is reasonable even to ask for in a request? What do you guys think? Well, I've experienced people who do say no. Um, And I think it often stems from not wanting to be a burden to others or trying to minimize the reality that they are in need of care. Hmm. So in order to accept care rightly, we must be humble and acknowledge our need for care. I am more likely to try and just do things on my own, but God has graciously taught me over the years that His way of providing for me often comes through the women in my church. Hmm. Why would I reject help that the Lord is offering? And I know that it blesses others when they get to help me. Hmm. I also think accepting help and being helped in the right way is deeply rooted in knowing our church body and being known by it. If a friend offers help, we won't feel like a burden to them. But when someone we hardly know offers help, there's a greater chance we will not accept it. Hmm. So consider this about your own life. Do you serve alongside those in your church body so that you can know them? and be known by them? Hmm. That's a good question. That's a good point. 
I would add here that if and when you are on the receiving end of caregiving, just be gracious and accept the help others are offering to give you. Hmm. And the flip side of this is if you're expecting certain things and those things are not happening, bitterness and resentment can set in quickly if we become inward focused and have the mindset that we're not being cared for well. Hmm. This is toxic and creates strife and division in a church. Hmm. It can easily creep in if we're comparing ourselves to others. When she had a baby, she got five meals, and I only got three. The flowers she received are bigger than the ones I got. You can see how you could go down that road. Mm -hmm. Easily. Yeah. So recognize the sin if it creeps in and nip it in the bud. So as our church has grown, we have had to adjust and try to standardize things. But caring for others can't be put into a box. It can't be standardized, and not everyone will always be happy with how these things go. Remember to be gracious and thankful for the care that you do receive. Hmm. Good points. Mm-hmm. Okay, so <laughs> I know I keep referencing a care team, but I'm going to do it again because it is really so helpful when it comes to caring for others. So. One of the reasons I have found why people say no to receiving care is because they feel like they are being a burden to someone, like Andrea mentioned. If an individual offers them help, they feel like it's too much to ask. I know I have sometimes felt like I needed help, but I didn't want to ask anyone because I I just felt like if that person would have to carry my burden, so I should just do it myself. Mm, mm -hmm. But when there is a team put in place whose purpose it is to provide help, then it feels less like an imposition and more like, well, this is just the way things are designed to be. For example, when a new mom to our church had a baby, I reached out to ask her if we could bless her with a meal train. At first, she said no because she didn't want to be a burden. But then I let her know that our church has a women's care team already set up to bring new mom and her family five meals. So it was no imposition at all. Hmm. Then she gladly accepted and continued to tell me weeks later what a blessing it was to her family Hmm. and how she felt so loved by the church. Hmm. That's great. I love that practical piece right there. Um, You know, one thing that I was thinking about is that I think the family um, is probably the first layer of care. I think it should start there. But as we've talked already, sometimes the family's not there. Or it could be that you moved across country or... Maybe you just don't have family members who are able to actually help in this way. So um, the church is definitely the second. Mm-hmm. It's definitely a big piece, and in some in some situations, it's the first you know the first line of defense. I don't know if that's the right way to say that, but the first group of people to help. Mm-hmm. So Mary, I know that you are currently overseeing our care team at church. Um, tell us how this works, and I'm thinking this might be really helpful to another church that might need to start this kind of concept. Okay, so I think following the biblical advice that Moses' father-in-law gave him regarding caring for the whole host of Israel is very helpful and very practical. He said, you will wear yourself out. You cannot do it Mm -hmm. alone. Then he instructs Moses to pick godly men and set them as chiefs over the people, some over thousands, some over hundreds, some over fifties, and some over tens. This is a principle that I think is very important when setting up a care team in your own church. Hmm. So at Christ the Word Church, we have small groups. 
this is where the members of the church body meet together faithfully in smaller groups in someone's home each week for food, fellowship, and to study God's Word. Small groups are great because even in larger church, we are able to have intimate relationships with members of the church body. The intimate relationships that are cultivated are not only essential for our walk with God and keeping each other accountable and encouraging one another, but they are essential for caring for each other as well. The small group leader and his wife have the joy and privilege of knowing the people in their group and what they are going through in each particular season of life better than pretty much anyone else in the church body. Mm. And that makes them the ideal mm. point person to coordinate a care, uh, coordinate the care if a need arises for someone within their small group. So these would be our quote unquote like leaders of tens, so to speak. So you're just kind of breaking it down. Yes. Then in order to support these small group leaders in their role of caregiving, we've created a subcommittee uh, under the women's ministries called the Women's Care Team. The purpose of this care team is to provide support and resources that are needed for the small group leaders. So these would be our um, leaders of 50s, okay. so to speak. Um, if a need arises where I'm not sure what the best course of action to take uh, to provide for that particular need is, I can always go to our women's ministry director, who is a really wise godly woman in our church staff, and she is able to give me help and direction. And if there's ever a time when she needs more direction for a certain need, we have the church elders over her. So this is the bare bones of the structure we have set up in our church for caring for the people in our church. Um, I'm not going to really talk specifically about protocols mm -hmm. or procedures we have currently in place because there are so many nuances in caring for people. And organization only goes so far. You cannot have a protocol or procedure set in place to follow for every need that comes right. up. Right. Um, so also, as our church grows and as technology advances, our procedures change and grow with it. But this structure for caregiving that Moses used for the people of Israel is very helpful to apply when caregiving for your church so that, one, you don't get weary of the work you get to do, and two, it really provides opportunities for the body to grow in showing love for one another. And so I, I just love it. And it's a really great practical way for someone to serve somebody, mm -hmm. to sign up and say, I'll take a meal or mm -hmm. I'll help in that way. It's not necessarily, it's something you can just do out of your home, mm -hmm. which I is what I love. It's not like you have to have some special talent. Or training. You know, <laughs> or training. I mean, back to Sharon's point that taking a pot of soup, which probably we all make can make soup, is great. Mm -hmm. uh, you can bring me soup, Sharon, anytime you want. I will, Julie. Thank you. <laughs> Let okay. me know what kind you okay, want. Okay, next Tuesday, girl. Okay. <laughs> okay. I did want to end because one of the pieces of the caregiving um, topic that we've talked about today is that not only are you ladies all women who are diligent to care for those in our church, you also, including myself, have been cared for. Mm -hmm. And I thought it would be great to end by talking a little bit about the ways that we have been cared for, because not because of anything we did, but the ways that people blessed us. Sharon, why don't you, you kick us off? Okay. So I was provided care in 1985, which I'll never forget. Were any of you even born in 1985? <laughs> I was. You were? I was were 10. You two? Oh. I was 10. You were 10. Okay. You were five. Mary, you were I was born. not. <laughs> 
It's okay. Um, in 1985, my dad passed away very suddenly. And I remember two men from our church wheeling in cases of pop. Hmm. They were stacked higher than me against our kitchen wall. There were hundreds of people in and out of our house. And what a blessing it was to have drinks for the people that came to see us. Hmm. These men loved our family in a very practical and helpful way. They didn't call and ask us, hey, can we bring pop? We probably would have said no. They just did it. Mm -hmm. And it was a big blessing for my family. And Mm. I still remember it. It was a long time ago. Mm. Mary wasn't even born then. (laughs) So fast forward a few years to another trial for me, which, you know, seemed short term, but turned into long term, Mm -hmm. like years long. That happens a lot to people. Yeah. So this was a, yeah, very long trial. So I mentioned this early, a friend brought me a Costco chicken pot pie. Mm. I remember it like it was yesterday. It impacted me and my kids because we'd always walk by them in the store, and I never bought one because they're too expensive. (laughs) But they are really good. If you spring for one, I don't know Mm. if you had them. They're delicious. I could bring you one of those, Julie. Yes, soup and that, right? And a chicken pot pie. (laughs) Um, Many friends brought meals, flowers. They mailed notes to me. And they always pointed me back to scripture, and it gave me hope, and Mm. I was in a very dark time. Mm. So I had a friend who posted a sticky note above her sink, and it stayed there for years as a reminder for her to pray for the situation I was in. And over the years, it was looking a little grimy, but she still had it Mm. stuck there. So when a long-term trial comes, it's easy to forget about it and move on. So this friend was faithful to pray for me. And what a blessing it was that she didn't forget about it, and she continued praying. Mm. And I also had a friend that sent me scripture on a pretty little card. I stuck it above my sink to remind me of God's power. The scripture was Genesis eighteen fourteen. Is anything too hard for the Lord? My situation mm. seemed too hard for the Lord in my mind, and yet scripture reminds me he can do the impossible. Amen. This scripture in Genesis, is referring to Sarah having a baby in her 90s. That's impossible, but God made it happen. Hmm. So that gave me hope. I also had a friend that looked me in the eye and said very specific things that she was praying about my situation. They were like bullet points, very practical and helpful things. So it's really easy to just say, hey, I'm praying for you. It's quite different when someone specifically states exactly what they're praying that really stuck with me, so I try mm. to do that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sorry, I'm going on, but I just, the goodness of God in this trial, and mm-hmm. I'm hoping to give people ideas. Mm-hmm. A friend came and took my kids every Wednesday night so I could regroup and get my head together. As I said, this was a long-term thing, and I was focused on this trial. I did not have time to do fun things or even think about having fun with my kids. They would go with my friend and have a blast. My kids came back refreshed and loved. That that time was priceless to me. Mm. My sister would take my baby when I worked because my my husband was drowning with the nine other kids we had at the time. So this trial hit in full force when I had a three-month-old baby. Wow. Yeah. So knowing my baby was well cared for gave me peace and, and was a huge blessing. So think about... Someone you know who is a caregiver, write them a note, text them, call them, take them flowers, take their kids to the park. 
Make your best dessert or dish and drop it off. Pray with and for them. Tell them how you're specifically praying. These acts of kindness will be an encouragement to them, and they will always remember this fondly. I look back and I see the goodness of God in using others to bless my entire family. My kids were really impacted by the way others cared for us. I now see my kids caring for others in a similar way. Those texts, notes, and food came at the exact time I needed them. Hmm. That's really cool. I love this because it's almost like we can connect the dots mm-hmm. to see dot, God a part of each part of your of your caregiving journey, you know, yeah. of where you needed care. God was was providing, and you could see that thread mm-hmm. woven, which yeah. is great. Andrea, what about you? Yeah, well, a difficult time for my husband and me came when we learned of a likely life-ending problem with our first child during an early ultrasound. During the season of waiting and carrying her, Many women from our church reached out with notes and told me they would pray. I was upheld during this time by love and encouragement with reminders of God's love and faithfulness. Mm. She did end up dying at 24 weeks gestation, and boy, did the floodgates of love and support burst open. Mm. Women made me a burial gown, a set of blankets, matching bracelets, which I will add here, were made by Sharon's daughter. So Mm. she did note how to care for others. Mm. Meals were provided. Our small group hosted a small funeral service and accompanied us to her graveside. Other friends hosted a wonderful gathering after that with a meal and time to just be with friends and family. Mm. It was unbelievable. And none of that, I don't think I really ever asked for any of that. It was just Mm. said, hey, how about we do this for you? Mm. And that often is part of caregiving is thinking through the things that the person in need can't really think for themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so I offer these practical and loving ideas because it can be hard to know what to do in a time like this. People who knew us and loved us guided us through the process so well. Mm. There are other ways the body of Christ has supported me speaking truth in uncertain circumstances, coming alongside with last-minute childcare, sitting with me in the ER. Honestly, one of the best ways to provide care is just to know what's going on in the lives of those around you and to not be afraid to step in to help, encourage, or pray. Even the smallest gesture of care can provide so much encouragement for keeping the one in need grounded in truth and reminded of God's particular care. Mm-hmm. I often think about the um, concept of like, look around in your circle. Like, who are you hanging out with? Yeah. Who's in, I know this could even be like, who's in your small group? Who's in your Bible study? Who is, sits near you at church? We tend to sit in the same places. <laughs> Maybe we should move around. But like, I don't think that's by accident. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. God puts people in our paths and it allows us to, to start to formulate those relationships. Mm-hmm. And last week on the episode, we had Shelby Hauser because she talked at our mom-to-mom ministry and she gave this very specific focus um, on the topic of relationships. And mm-hmm. she talked about how important it is to know people and not just be surface friends, mm-hmm. but to actually know that's what you're saying. Yeah. Know what's going on in their lives. Yeah, for sure. And being willing. And And she also talked about how it's good to have a few close friends mm-hmm. versus having a whole bunch of acquaintances. Yeah. I mean, we need to, we need to actually know people. Yeah. That's, That's really what your story told. That's yeah, good. For sure. Mary, what about you? How have you been cared for? Um, I've had a couple babies. Yay. And, uh, <laughs> I'd love to have more, but each time I had a baby, 
The women of my small group blessed my family and I with meals right after the birth. And that was so helpful for me to get rest and to make things easier Mm. for my husband as he was taking care of me and the other children. Um, I also want to say, though, that some of the most challenging times in my life did not require physical care of someone bringing meals or providing childcare or anything like that. We've been, we've been talking mostly about those kinds of things. Um, but they were still really hard times for me to go through. And during those times, the women of our church were there for me to share my burden, um, through a lot of the things mentioned by Sharon, um, and Andrea, I guess, but to, to pray with me, to give me godly counsel from scripture, which was so helpful because, um, it's hard to think of those things for yeah. yourself when you're in the midst of the hard time. Um, they they were with me to love and encourage me through this trial. And I know um, we've talked about this kind of care being part of caregiving when we bring the meals or when we come alongside someone. Um, but sometimes this kind of care is needed apart from official caregiving mm, as well. And it's point. so important. So if you are not part of a... Bible-believing church or um, a women's Bible study um, with other godly women, I I really want to encourage you to become a part of that. Um, It is such a blessing. Well, and that goes to my point a little bit ago that part of it is us making ourselves known Mm -hmm. because it's easy to hide or isolate and nobody knows your trial, Mm -hmm. and it can be really easy not to share it. So sometimes we have to make ourselves known. I'm not saying that we you know, go tell everybody, hey, I'm going through a trial. Hey, I'm going through a trial or demand what we want. But we do have to be able to be willing to be a little vulnerable. Mm, That's true. I have also experienced care multiple times. Um, One care time I remember specifically, which wasn't actually at our church. It was at a previous church because I love that there are other churches doing Mm. this too. Mm -hmm. And um, I had been going through some postpartum depression and I did not tell anyone that I was struggling with this. And my husband said to me, when you go to this event, because I was going with some women to like a, a meeting, please tell someone tonight that you're struggling with this. And I just, I remember it was time to share your prayer requests. And I did. And it was like, I can't even believe they could even understand me because I was like sobbing, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm mm-hmm. like, and I couldn't believe how many of those women experienced something similar. Mm-hmm. And the next morning, my good friend showed up on my door with a big bowl of fruit I know it sounds really dumb. It was the best fruit I've ever had in my life <laughs> mm. because it was her tangible way to say, I love you and I care for you. She sat down on my couch. She folded some laundry. It was just real practical. Mm-hmm. And also she took the time to do that. Um, I also will say that when I was first a part of Christ the Word, I realized this is 18 years ago this month Whoa. is when I received this. Wow. Um, I had my fourth child and she was born in December And this is my first time I experienced anything at Christ the Word. And it was five meals. I can remember the five women who brought them to me. I did not know any of these women because we were really new to the church. And they showed up at my door, each one of them on time, which was also cool, with really good food. Mm. In fact, even in in kind of preparing for this, I was like, I got to get those recipes out. Like, I got to make that baked. It was like um, a baked stew was so good. One of them was a woman brought a meal and her 14 or 15-year-old daughter at the time brought made the dessert. She made banana cream pie, which we didn't really talk about how you can incorporate your kids a part mm-hmm. of caring, and it's mm-hmm. actually good for them. You did a little bit, Sharon. Yeah. But that was really cool. Now that woman is actually in my small group this year, <laughs> and she's due to have a baby soon. So I get to reciprocate uh-huh. also, but it doesn't matter. 
if you reciprocate or not, it's a wonderful blessing that mm-hmm. I received that. Um, I also experienced a time when my son, who um, was born with some potential issues with his eyesight, we just really weren't sure what was going on. But what I experienced there was a ton of note cards in the mail. Mm. I still have them all. I mean, it's like yeah. two inches thick wow. of women and people, and actually people from not even the church that I was in at the here sent me note cards, and they were full of scripture. And I pull those out every now and then and remember mm-hmm. what God did mm-hmm. and also remember how people cared for me. I didn't need meals, but God took that yeah. time. God provided that. Um, and um, I also remember when I had my number six child, I was a little overwhelmed, and the women in my Bible study came over to my house and cleaned my bathroom. Mm-hmm. And one of the women went to the grocery store for me. And I like these are just really tangible ways. A woman, when my husband was in the hospital for something, showed up at my front door with a pizza. I didn't ask her for a pizza. Like it was just really just the reality of these people knew me Mm -hmm. and knew my struggle and they were willing to go make a step and do something, which I think is really helpful Um, and and good for us to talk through. And I've really enjoyed today because I think it's good for us to do this. It's good to talk about how we've been cared for. It's good to talk about how we can do this. We will never do this perfectly, but we can work to honor God with Mm it. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Um, I'm thankful for each one of you and your willingness to share and your thoughts and the time you took to put into this really vital topic in the church. Here it's the end of the year, but if you are listening and you are in a church, this is a great time to start a ministry in your church to care for the people in your church, something tangible. It doesn't have to be super elaborate. You don't have to have a flow chart, but it could be, hey, we're going to give three meals to everybody who has a baby, or we're going to set up a list of women who can be a part of this. There's a lot of simple ways to do that. So if you know someone who would benefit from this episode, be sure you share it with them, somebody in a small church or a church that needs some help, because I think the things that Mary and Sharon and Andrea have shared have been so helpful. Sharon, would you pray for us today? Sure. Heavenly Father, Thank you for all the ways you care for us. You are a God who sees and you know our struggles. I pray that you will encourage those who are on the front lines of caregiving right now. Give them the strength they need each day. I pray that they joyfully serve those under their care. Father, for those listening who have yet to be caregivers, I pray that this podcast today will spur them on with ideas of ways They can encourage those who are caregivers. May God be glorified as we love and serve in very practical ways those you have placed in our path. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And it's time for this episode's Tiny Tidbit. A Tiny Tidbit is just a small piece of information that can help you in a really big way. Today's Tiny Tidbit is brought to you from my friend, Ashley Filippelli. Ashley, what do you got for us? Well, I love fresh bread. And I my, do too. Do you? <laughs> I think it's an easy thing to love. Yes. My husband also loves fresh bread, and my children love fresh bread. We love the smell of fresh mm-hmm. baked bread. We love the crunchy crust and the soft, warm inside. Okay, you're making me hungry. Yeah, I'm. I'm <laughs> hungry too. Um, 
<laughs> so when I first got into sourdough bread, with along with most everyone else back with COVID, we were all excited for it. And I enjoyed the process of learning how to activate it, how to keep it dormant in the fridge for longer periods, um, and how to bake with it. But one thing I did not enjoy was cleaning out dried flour water cement from mm. the glass containers that I used to keep the starter in. It was so annoying. And then I learned Tupperware. The frustration was gone. Really? It cleans up like a charm. Yeah. Wow. Slides right off. No more cement. So my family and I enjoy sourdough bread, and I have a much easier time cleaning it up afterwards. That, that's a great, I'm just starting to get into sourdough, so I'm really glad to know this yeah. tidbit. Yeah, here. there you go. Yeah. Start off right. Don't yeah. have frustration with your Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, it's funny how um, flour and water can turn into cement. It really can. <laughs> it really, really <laughs> sticks well. Yes, yeah. Thanks, Ashley. so much for listening join us next week for our first installment of our new series for 2024 called everyday theology just everyday application of god's word that's what we all need so join us for that next week and it's a new year so happy new year a little early and don't forget to follow or like us on instagram or facebook you can find us at women of the word ctw we have great content every day of the week. There's something great on there. You need to follow it or like it. Also, you can find us, Unshaken, on any of your favorite podcast directories. Go and subscribe today. You can share, you can find us and share it with anyone. Please do. Um, you can find us on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, Podbean. I mean, really, wherever you listen to podcasts, we are probably there. We are Unshaken with a little water image. Remember, when everything around you is shaken, you can stand unshaken because of our rock and our fortress because of God. Until next time. <laughs>